0: Hey, listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. It can be something B2 brilliant. B2 bold, a B2 breakthrough force that helps you B2 beat expectations. How? How? With the platform B2B marketers have been waiting for—a platform with tools you need to build b 2 better relationships, to drive results that B2Bash KPIs while B2Boosting ROI and to B2Boldly go where no marketers have gone before—all in a trusted environment that respects your business. So, prep your marketing to B2Blast off and tell those built for B2C sites that you'll BRB because LinkedIn is where B2B is everything it can be. Get started with LinkedIn ads and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash advertise to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash advertise. Terms and conditions apply. And now on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Before we begin, I want to tell you about something I've been working on for years. It is a book called Build for Tomorrow, which I've written to help you navigate any change happening in your career. Because here's the thing, change may be scary, but it is your greatest opportunity as long as you're willing to treat it that way. In my new book, Build for Tomorrow, I show you how by diving headlong into what change does to you and how you can use it to your advantage. I found that everyone goes through change in four phases. They are panic, adaptation, new normal, and wouldn't go back. And that most successful people simply move through those phases faster. So how can you do it too? That's what I spent years studying and came away with concrete steps that you can take to lessen your panic, adapt faster, define your new normal, and thrive going forward. Reinvention is not about grit. It is a process anyone can learn. My book Build for Tomorrow can show you how. You can pre-order it now from anywhere you get books or at jasonpfeiffer.com book. Again, the book is called Build for Tomorrow. And Now on with the show. The morning before I was supposed to speak with John Lee, I got a message from him. He said that his internet router had broken and he wasn't sure he was going to make our interview, but he was going to try.
1: So I'm like, okay, how can I do this interview? Well, I could stream off my phone, but it could cut out. I could go to a remote destination, but then it's going to be too loud because you have a lot of background noise and I can't use my mic or I could just do it in my car.
0: This, as you may have guessed, or maybe as you know, because a lot of people know John Lee, uh, that is John Lee. So he did none of those things. Instead, he decided to go out and buy a new router and the thing didn't work and he almost took it back for a
1: refund. But then I said, you know what? Entrepreneurs, we must persist on. So we must keep trying. Like keep try like the things that you're doing, it's not working because it's not what you're doing, it's how you're doing it.
0: So anyway, he troubleshot the absolute crap out of this thing until he got it to work and then he realized that the <laughs> the signal wasn't gonna reach throughout his house, so then he had to go out and get a booster. But anyway, he did it, which is the reason why you're hearing him right now. And the reason I'm telling you this is because, well, John says, as you just heard, this isn't just about fixing a wireless router. This is about a mindset.
1: Well, I just think entrepreneurship is about Two things: one, adding value; to solving problems. But you got to see the problem first. You got to see where you where the value add is. Where, where is the intrinsic value in this? And so, you know, I find that bleeds into every part of my life,
0: and I just relate to that so much because. As longtime listeners know, I don't come from an entrepreneurship background. But the more time that I spent with entrepreneurs, the more I started to think more entrepreneurially about my own career. The more I found that this kind of mindset totally bleeds into every single thing that you do. It's absolutely wild, right down to how John basically busted his way through the wall of IT issues so that we could talk today. Anyway, I feel like we should probably back up uh, for a moment and introduce you more properly to John.
1: My name is John Lee. I'm the author of a book called Business Hack, which has been endorsed by the co-author Rich Dad. I'm an investor, entrepreneur, speaker. I'm investing in a lot of tech companies, which are now billion-dollar companies. In 2019, I took my company public. And my main focus now is getting into tech, investing in companies, and looking at pre-IPOs.
0: Or you might know him, as many people do, from his very popular Instagram feed, John underscore Lee underscore official. He's got 2.5 million followers there. And he posts these delightful illustration cartoon things, which are just insightful and motivational. And anyway, that's actually the reason why I originally reached out to him, was to learn more about one of those cartoons in particular, which you will hear about a little bit later. This is a conversation that's really ultimately about shifting mindset towards how can you tackle big problems? How, how can you build an entrepreneurial mindset into the way that you approach the world? This is what John Lee and I dig into. Well, it was supposed to start with a cartoon, then it kind of got derailed by Wi-Fi. But you know what? It's all the same thing. And you're going to hear more about both coming up after the break. It's amazing how many apps we use every day, you know? We have apps to communicate with our teams, to produce reports, to send emails, but the problem is these can feel overwhelming and not always efficient. If you feel that way, you will love Zapier. Zapier helps marketers make the most of the technology you already use. Connect all your apps, automate routine tasks, and streamline your workflow so you can convert more with less chaos. For example, I use Zapier to connect my website form to a newsletter platform to automate connecting with new subscribers, and Zapier makes it easy for anyone to get started with marketing automation because there is no coding required. In fact, you can easily connect over 4,000 of the most popular apps that marketers use every day, like Google Sheets, Slack, and Facebook lead ads, to automate almost any workflow imaginable. See for yourself why teams at Airtable, Dropbox, and thousands of other companies use Zapier every day to automate their business. Try Zapier for free today at zapier.com slash PSP. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash PSP. All right, we're back. So like I said, we started things off uh, (laughs) talking about uh, John fixing his Wi-Fi problem. And I really loved this thing that he said about how once you have an entrepreneurial mindset, it just starts to impact the way that you approach everything.
1: So all these different things, whether whether you're raising finance, whether you are, because I find that my entrepreneur habits start bleeding into my personal life. It's not, we can't do things. It's not, okay, how can we do it? What are the solutions? Instead of talking about the problem all the time, let's talk more about the solution.
0: You know, it's so funny that you say that. And we will eventually get to the actual point that we had agreed to talk about today, but this is just a wonderful way to launch off into entrepreneurial thinking. So I just want to keep rolling with it for a minute. John, I'll tell you a quick little backstory about me. I come from media, my background is in media, and I therefore took this job at Entrepreneur with a real media mindset. And that is to say that me and my colleagues tend to think about the thing that we're putting out into the world as a one-time packet. You create a thing, you put it out, then you move along, you create another thing, you put it out, and you move along, you create another thing, you put it. Out. And then I started speaking with entrepreneurs and they have a totally different way of thinking. I've come to think of it as the difference between horizontal and vertical thinking, Where horizontal thinking is you put something out, you move along, you put something, out, but you're never building on top of it. And then vertical thinking is entrepreneurs will only do something if It leads to something else. If there was a another purpose to it, because everything that they do should build towards a greater whole and you should constantly be growing and doing things bigger and smarter and better. And just like what you said about how entrepreneurial thinking bleeds into the way that you do other things, I have found that once I figured that out and started adopting that and started treating myself less as a guy who just makes individual things and more as a guy who's building for a larger whole, that it completely reordered Oriented the way that I approach every single thing that I do, the relationships that I make, the way that I move through the world. It truly is powerful that once you start with this entrepreneurial thinking, it impacts the
1: way that you approach everything else. Come, come completely agree. And it also forces you to that's what I love about entrepreneurship. It forces you to grow every single day. Like I, there's not a day that goes by where there's not a problem in my personal life, business life, entrepreneurship life. Like there's always things that can help us grow. And that's why my mindset now is: okay. The shows, is, you know, we call it, you call it problem solvers. And I think you've hit that nail on the head. We really are. How do we find the solution to everything? Because the more we can solve, the bigger problems we solve, the bigger we grow.
0: So John, let's back up. The reason why we're talking now is really because it it just became part of this conversation that we were having, starting with me reaching out to you to ask for, for this thing that I was doing for the June issue of Entrepreneur Magazine, where I, I had asked, a number of um, influential entrepreneurs with large followings on social, what was the most engaged with post from you know the past month or two? And so you looked at the data and you found it was this one. It says it's a cartoon, which is what a lot of your posts on Instagram are. And it says, it's up to you to break generational trauma. And then there's this really wonderful and evocative scene here where you've got this kind of grandpa looking guy saying, you are stupid. And he's aiming that at a at a father looking guy who's sitting on a chair who says, you're not good enough. And then there's you with like a shield blocking that so that it doesn't reach the children in front of you. And then there's a, there's a, I guess, a younger father who says, I'm proud of you. I love you to this child who's painting. And I'd asked you why you thought that that resonated with so many people. And you'd written me, this resonates with so many people because All the way through life, I and others like me have been told we're not good enough. Words can make a massive impact on your life. For most people, they're not listening to their intuition. We need to lead to our inner voice, protect our dreams, and follow through until results happen. And then we got to talking, you and I, over WhatsApp about how resonant this is and how this very insight and and those like it that you are often sharing On social can can really impact not just the way that people think about their lives, but about the careers that they build and ultimately the money they can make. I'd love to hear more about that, because that sounds like this isn't just an insight that you have, but
1: this is is personal as well. Yeah. I mean, I come from a Chinese background, so Asian families are typically, um, you know, go to school, get a job, work for somebody else. And Kind of stay in your lane, if you will. And I remember one time I was at school and I always wanted to be, you know, like when you have these career things and, and you sit down with your careers of career advisor and say, okay, what do you want to do? Right. And you tell them what you want to do, which is, you know, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a pilot. I want to be an actor or, or, or a performer. And they'll say, you know what? okay, that's great. But what else would you like to do? And it's like, sometimes sometimes I think we all have the ability to do things, Jason. It's just people don't follow through because we do need that support. And if you look at that little picture that I did, that, that, that little illustration that we put together for Instagram, I mean, that a picture say a thousand words. That's why I got so much high engagement. And so when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking about how many people listen to this right now have been told one time or another, like, Sometimes, I mean, you probably done this, but you, you you tell your friend about a idea and your friend will say to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop dreaming. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, do something else yeah. or think about something different. Like they're trying to like put you off. And, and by the way, that's not their fault. I have friends. I used to have a lot of friends around me. I've hanging around a different group of friends now, but it was always like, oh, John, I, I don't think you have the potential. Oh, John, I think that's really risky, but risk and reward come hand in hand, Jason, doesn't it? And also that if you don't take risk, like how do you know how much risk to take if you don't know what that thing is risk you're taking? Like if if I'm going to jump out of a plane, is it risky? Well, yeah, of course it is, if you don't have the training. But no one ever talked about calculated risk. You're going to invest in Bitcoin or Ethereum, or you're going to buy a piece of real estate. Do your due diligence and get your, your risk management set. And so a lot of people would just kind of, kind of like blanket sweet statements and say, oh yeah, don't do that. And that can change the whole trajectory of someone's life. And you know, that picture was actually inspired by a friend of mine. She was actually one of our attendees for um, our events. And then she eventually became a friend Her name's Radha. She always wanted, she's, she's Asian. She's, um, mm-hmm. and she, always, and in the UK, you don't see that many Asian people on TV. Even till today, there's not that many. And she and she always wanted to be a BBC TV presenter, and all the way through school, that's what she kept saying. And one parents' evening, the teacher says, "So you know, what, like, what's Rada? How's she doing? Oh yeah, she keeps having these fascinations and dreams of becoming this TV presenter. I think you should tell her just you know concentrate on her work and and really get focused on the grades. And then when the parents went home, Rada said, "Well, how like what did the teacher say?" And the parents said. You know, they said they got so much potential when it comes to TV presenting. You're outgoing, Mm. you're bubbly, you've got this beautiful personality. And guess what, Jason? She becomes one of the top TV presenters here in the UK. That's a wonderful story. That's a wonderful story. That's where that picture was inspired from.
0: I love that. And then, of course, what is going to happen next, to speak to how this picture is really about cycles, is that she is already, I'm sure, inspiring others, uh, younger mm-hmm. versions of herself to dream bigger too. Because you know, you you were talking a minute ago about people don't necessarily have, or they haven't been taught proper risk management and they're not getting the right support around them. But another piece to that is examples and stories. And I have always been struck when I have spoke with entrepreneurs in developing economies around the world that one of the greatest struggles that they have is that their culture doesn't have the stories that let's say an American or a a UK culture does, right? In America, we all tell the story of Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, these these guys who just kind of started this thing when they were young in a garage or whatever, and they turned up and that kind of story shows you a path that you can follow that other people recognize as a path that you're now going to be on. Whereas if you're in an environment, and it doesn't have to be in a in a particular country or culture, it could just be the people that you're surrounded by and what they're familiar with and what their points of references are. If they don't know those stories and if they haven't bought into that possibility, then they see your dream as ridiculous and impossible. And that, of course, makes it much harder for you to actually pursue. What do you make of that?
1: Well, we always need to be inspired. Well, I think we need, you know, it's kind of like that old story where, you know, Bannister was running a, a 10 minute mile. People thought it like, oh, sorry, a four minute mile. It was impossible. Like people thought it was impossible. But once one person did it, more people started doing it. Then we talked about, okay, how do we create a billion dollar company? One person starts doing it. Everyone starts doing it, right? Then it's how do we create a trillion dollar company, right? And then you've, you've got, a lot of companies now building that trillion dollar, and then there'll be what? What's the one above that? Is it quadrillion? Oh, I think I've got it. Sounds good. But I was not a math major. Trillion. <laughs> Yeah, but if you look at that, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Because here's the thing: you ask if you want to get the right question, the the right answers, you have to ask the right questions. You ask a good question, and that's what I'm always doing. Like when I'm hanging around with my millionaire friends and billionaire friends. I always ask them, okay, what are you currently working on right now? What's really working for you? And what are some of the mistakes that you made? Sometimes I realize that, you know, for those of you, you know, listen to this, you, you want to start a business, you want to become more profitable. It's not just learning about how to make more money. It's also learning how to lose money. Like if I do these certain things, it causes me to lose money. If I do these certain things, it causes me to make money. So like, you've got to see it from both ways. Because actually there's more lessons made from losing money than actually making it. <laughs> So, we do have to have these examples of people who have made it because then we go, oh, you know what? It's possible. If you actually write the word impossible, Jason, if you, where the I am is, you put a comma there, it actually spells I'm possible. So, it does. John,
0: how did you, because this is, you are not of great wealth. You didn't start that way and you didn't have that kind of support system around you to start. So, you had to make this mental transition yourself and now you help others do it. And I wonder what you found inside yourself or what mechanisms you found to start to pursue the kinds of things that the people around you said were
1: nuts. Well, the first thing is in order, I truly believe Jason, for people to get results in entrepreneurship, they want to get results in business and they want to create more wealth in their life. Again, i like you said, I wasn't born into wealth. I wasn't born into as they say in the UK, a a, a silver spoon. So my parents worked in a Chinese takeaway and I started there as a dishwasher. So the first thing that comes to mind is pain. You have to have a lot of pain associated, otherwise you won't do anything. People only take action because of true pain or massive inspiration. So for me, it was all about the pain. It's like, I, because my parents own Chinese takeaway, I had to work every weekend, which means I missed out on a lot of birthday parties, my friends, my social life wasn't great. And I felt that I was losing out. And I remember washing dishes one day, looking into the mirror and saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like, what can I do that's going to help me? Because I thought to myself, if I retire my parents, then I won't have to work in the Chinese takeaway. Right. Mm -hmm. So then my first idea was, well, if I just get a really high paid job, I can earn enough money to like retire my parents and then I won't have to work and then I started getting more jobs and you know this was early on in my my career when I was I was getting a job as a telesales and I was working for an internet company and then I would work as a, as a, as a selling shoes for Timberland and then and then in the weekends I, I I would work in my parents Chinese takeaway and you know because even now like there's a lot of cultural things that happen like you should really respect your elders you should take care of your parents and it's it's, it's an Asian thing like I know friends who are CEOs of companies still go back to their parents shop to work to, you know, to help them out. And of course people well, why don't you just hire someone for them? It's not quite as straightforward as that. And you know, it's a trust issue thing with them as well. So for me, I was was like, what can I do? And so as I started getting a job, I thought, okay, I'm working too hard. And it's only, and at the end of three jobs, I'd be so tired. Jason. I was like, okay, there's got to be a smarter way. So then I went to university. I got an animation degree. Um, I got a job as an animator, which paid a decent amount, but nowhere near enough where I could support my family. So as I started doing this, I I then got fired from my job because I was too good at my job and my boss got a bit scared that I was going to take his job. So at that point, I said to myself, I'm never going to let anyone point the finger at me and say that you're fired. So then I thought, okay, what can I do? I need to start my own business. I need to create my own economy. And then here's the thing, you should talk about what you do so your friends start giving you feedback. So a friend of mine got me a book on my birthday called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read that book and, you know, Jason, I'm dyslexic. So I don't like reading books, but I read that book cover to cover and it taught me one thing, asset building. You have to build assets if you want to create wealth. So I thought to myself, okay, let me get into real estate. So I typed onto, onto Google, you know, make money from property or invest in property. And all these seminars came up. The first seminar I attended was a guy called Ranjan Bhattacharya. And I paid uh, 350 pound, by the way, I didn't even have the money to attend. Yeah. I had to borrow the money from my uncle to pay him 350 pound to attend. And my uncle only gave me the money because I said, give me the money. And the first two deals I buy, I will give you 50% of the deal. And you know that was the worst negotiation that I, I that I'd ever done <laughs> cuz <'Cause laughs> yeah, I bought yeah, and he made a lot of money from those two deals a lot of money.
0: We're going to take a short break and when we come back more with my conversation with John Lee. Are you a small business owner? Did you know that Visa's online small business hub has tools, discounts, and resources to help you run your business? So whether you're a business beginner or an entrepreneurial expert, find the solutions, tools, and tips you need to help take your business to the next level. Plus, if you have a Visa business credit or debit card, you can get access to cardholder benefits like Visa Savings Edge, a savings program which can help you save on everyday business expenses like office essentials, travel, and more. When you enroll your Visa Business Card in Visa Savings Edge, you'll have access to valuable offers, which can help turn qualifying business purchases made with your enrolled Visa Business Card into savings for your business. Learn more at visa.com slash small business Once again, that's visa.com slash small business Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, we're back talking with John Lee. But but it got you started. But but it got you. Yeah. It got you. The, and can I say what you did, even though it was a bad deal to start, you were also not working with a lot of leverage. So you came up with something that would enable you to take this first step without shifting all of the responsibility onto the person who you were turning to. Because as you have been telling the story so far, and I want you to continue, but I just want to pause and point this out. At no point during this story, have you just turned to someone and said, fix this problem for me? Now, maybe you didn't have access to someone who could fix the problem, but I will tell you in my inbox, like in your inbox, I'm sure, are a lot of people who are basically looking for someone like me or like you to bridge a large gap for them, right? So somebody will reach out and they'll say, I have a multi-million dollar business idea all I need is is someone to fund it and run the company for me. Do you know that person? And you know what? I, I, I don't know that person. I, I don't know that person. I don't know that anybody knows that person. But what that person is doing is they are thinking, I'm not going to be able to get there myself. I'm not even going to try. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with the first 5% and look for someone else to fill in the 95%. You were never doing that. And that, I think, allowed you to build this momentum, slow as it was, and requiring some ultimately bad deals, but it gave you this step, 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 so that at each phase of this journey, you were better equipping yourself for the next phase.
1: Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you are absolutely right there. What you mentioned there is what I call total responsibility. You take 100% responsibility for what happens in your life. Like, no, I mean, it's funny because you talk about those emails, Jason. I get so many of them. Oh, you know, I've got this amazing deal. And, you know, I get so many pitch decks that come to me. Oh, yeah, it's a multi-million dollar valuation. I say, how much money have you made? Zero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, hey, you know, John, can you put a million to this? Okay, that sounds good. Hey, I'll put a million. How much are you putting in? And mm-hmm. they don't put any skin in the game. And so you've got to make sure that whenever we are doing this, it's 100% ownership. For example, even though I attended that course, okay, I, I wasn't, I kind of, it got me started in this stuff and I got my first two deals, but I hit a plateau. So what people need to realize whether as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and to solve problems, you've got to, you're, there's always going to be the inflection points or as Malcolm Gladwell called the tipping points. What's the, t- what's the pivotal point? Like when COVID happened, a lot of businesses failed, but there was also a lot of companies that thrived because there was that pivotal moment. You got to take opportunity. Success is when the preparation meets the opportunity. The opportunity is going to come, but are you ready? Like right now, we're talking about another recession coming. If that happens, my friends, you got to be ready. So when I started doing this, I was like, okay, education is just it's not enough. Knowledge is not enough. People say that knowledge is power, but it's not. Knowledge is potential power. If you don't do anything with it, it doesn't turn into anything. It's like a book. I'm supposed to buy a book for self-development. I buy it, it makes me feel good, but I put it onto my shelf, it now becomes yeah. shelf development. So we got to make sure that we're implementing. So you know what I did? I started looking for guidance and mentoring, right? So I met this guy, his name was Ying Tan, and this guy was a multi multimillionaire. And one thing I know is, is this. If you want to improve your game, you've got to play with someone better than you. So I asked him, I said, hey, Yink, can you mentor and coach me? He said, yeah, sure. And I thought, you know, he's was going to do it for free. But one thing with multimillionaires and, and is their time. And he said, well, yeah. And he sends me this invoice for 10,000 pounds. I'm like, hold on a second. I didn't know you were going to charge. <laughs> I expected his time for free. Like, come on. And he expected that so, time for cost. Well, exactly. So I didn't have the money. And I remember sitting at my kitchen table, looking out of my window and just seeing the hood of my car. At that point, I had a Honda S2000 convertible. And I said to myself, and I love cars, Jason. I mean, I really love cars. It's just been a child dream of mine to race around tracks and things like that. I do track days. And I sold that car. I saved up so much money. I worked so hard to buy that car. And I sold the car. Because one lesson I learned is delayed gratification. You sacrifice something today for a better tomorrow. And a lot of people not willing to do that. So I sold my car for 15,000 and I paid him 10,000 pounds for two days. You know, when I told all my friends about this, you know what they said to me? Oh, sounds like a scam, John. Oh, you know, sounds like you're getting ripped off.
0: Well, I have to I have to tell you that, I mean, we know the end of the story here because you are quite successful and surely learned a lot from this experience that set you on that path. But John, it could have been a scam. Or there are lots of people who would make that, who would demand that money for two days of their time. And it frankly is a scam. I mean, this is why you also see this isn't the same thing because this isn't a scam. But, you know, if you watch Shark Tank and occasionally you get somebody who's sitting there trying to pitch the sharks on some truly just dead end idea, right? Just a really terrible idea. And then they reveal that they have that they have sold their home to fund this idea and that they've quit their job and you can see the sharks just just writhe in agony because they're watching this person throw everything into a hole. How do you know the difference? I mean, when you're telling this story to people, you're, I love the intention of it, which is to, which is to inspire people to take big risks and to think outside the box. But of course there is also the possibility of just throwing bad
1: money at bad money. How do you tell the difference? How do you know when a risk is worth taking? So you've, so for me to do that, I also quit my full-time job. By the way, I was on a 36,000 pound salary. And the day I quit my job, I got a 60,000 pound pay rise. Oh. So it wasn't like I was leaving a job on a, on a very small. And by the way, at that point, I thought I could have, could have actually afforded to retire my parents at that point. But again, I delayed my gratification because even if I could afford to do that, I would be stuck in a job. Then, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, each to their own. But I just knew that there'll come a point where, if like I learned from that first mistake of that person firing me, just pointing the finger and say, you're fired. I, I don't want to let anyone have that power. So. You are right about, you know, people just putting everything online. And it depends the type of person you are. So in the Chinese saying, we have a saying called breaking the boat. I won't give you the Chinese translate word, but it's in Chinese, it's called breaking the boat or in every crisis, right? If you look at the word crisis in Chinese, it's called weighty. Mm. And it's made up of two characters. One character on its own spells danger. The other one spells opportunity. So when people are doing this, you know, I'm not, asking, I'm not by all means telling people me that they should quit the jobs, they should sell everything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you got to take, calculate the risk. And at that point, Jason, I had enough knowledge to be able to make an informed decision. I knew that if I just got the education, if I just found the right person because I'd already done two deals anyway. So I knew that that was kind of like my MVP, a minimum viable product. So I tested that theory out first. What you shouldn't do is put all your eggs in one basket, close your eyes and then pray. That's never going to work. And that's what most people do. So what you got to do is you have to have the calculator risk. In fact, if you do a search on Google, the definition of an entrepreneur, I don't know if you've done this before, but it says a person, all persons setting up a business, taking on financial risks in the hope of profit. It doesn't say guaranteed profit. It doesn't say it's going to be a certain thing. It's, it's taking on risks. So the question we have to answer, Jason, is the risks. How much risk are you willing to take? And it comes back to risk and reward. I said to myself, you know what? I try this property thing out. I sell my car. Worst case scenario, I'll just go back to a job. Worst case scenario, I'll drive around in an old banger for a couple of years, right? But here's the thing. You will miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So, and I'll never forget this. I remember I was on the train. I was speaking to my my partner at the time, and name was Becky. And I called her, and I said, "And this is when I got that sixty thousand pound pay rise." And I said to her, "Look, I think I'm thinking of quitting my job and getting into this full time." And she's the one that said to me, "Well, if you don't try, you'll never know." And the problem is, I think too many people play it safe, and so entrepreneur is is is, is very loosely termed. I mean, everyone's an entrepreneur now, right, Jason? Yeah. But when you look at the the nitty gritty, the blood, sweat, and tears to trials and tribulations. That is a true entrepreneur. A lot of entrepreneurs that I know have, have almost gone broke many times, me included. A lot of entrepreneurs, billionaires that I know have gone bankrupt a couple of times as well, because you take a few risks, you go bankrupt a few times. Third time you hit it, you hit the jackpot. Is it worth taking? The answer, in my opinion, is yes. So what are you willing to sacrifice and what are you willing to try because if you never, and you know, one of the biggest regrets in life is people always say, oh, you know what? Like when people on the deathbed, like what's your biggest regret? They they, they never say, oh, it's the things that they did. It's the things that they never got around to doing.
0: John, this has been inspirational. Let me just wrap it up by bringing it full circle, because I think of that great answer that you gave, the thing that just leapt out at me was that you were informed, that you understood what good looked like, what you needed to make it to the next step, because you weren't starting from nothing and just hoping that this guy, if you pay 10,000 pounds, is going to just transform your life. And that goes back to what you were talking about earlier earlier when we were talking about that, those emails that we get and people just looking to fill in the gap and how that's not how you had approached it. And so you learn something along the road every time. I wonder if you could just give people something to think about, maybe, maybe a way to self-assess if they're in a learning environment, if they're taking those steps so that they know what they should be doing in the next phase, even if it involves risk, because you're right, everything involves risk. A lot of what we're talking about here is is risk management. But how do we know, and this is such an abstract question that I'm just going to throw it at you because I know that you're going to have a smart answer in some direction or another. How do we know that we know enough to make
1: the big risk? So remember what I said before about those two deals that I got, that became my MVP. So there's a four-step process that I always use. Number one, acquire the knowledge anyhow you can. If people can't afford to pay 10,000, by the way, they they didn't stop there. I pay people 50,000, hundred, okay, I have the money to do that now, but back then I didn't. But you, it's a constant evolution process. If you write the word learn, L-E-A-R-N, if you take off the L, it spells earn. So you must learn before you earn. It's actually written in the word. So how do you know? So the four-step process, number one, take the knowledge. Number two, implement it, right? Implement and see what feedback that you get. Number three, get the feedback from a coach or a mentor, someone who has already got the result that you want. And number four, number four implement the revised feedback because here's the thing people want success but they don't want to fail but actually failure is part of success you have to fail to know what not to do. If you don't fail, it means, and you know, people come to me and they say, John, can you invest in my app? Can you, I mean, I've invested in some companies that are now billion dollar companies, Jason. And one of the reasons why I invest in it is I know they went through a lot of iterations that have basically turned into what they are now. Like if someone comes to me on a napkin idea, I say, how many evolutions of this app have you gone through? If they say this is the first one, I will not invest. Right. So you got to like fail a lot of times to find the right application, to find the right, like look at Apple. Apple was a computer company that was competing against, you know, Windows and Microsoft. Microsoft. And then they suddenly pivoted, took the same technology, put it into a phone, same technology into a phone. But yet look, it's now just a trillion dollar company. So you've got to try out the things to get the result. And do you know that where the problem lies? It's not in people's knowledge. It's through the application. You've got to implement. That's why knowledge is only not power. Knowledge is potential power, right? You've got to implement, fail fast, get the results and keep building on that. Because when I got those few deals, my question was, how can I find more of these deals? Because one thing that Ying taught me was a concept called OPM. Never use your own money to buy property. I said, why? Because no matter how much money you've got, it's going to run out, which is true. So I started using OPM, other people's money. So then my focus was not, how do I make more money to buy more properties? My focus was, how do I find more people to joint venture and buy properties with. That's the first one. The second one was, how do I go and find these deals? One of my other mentors, he said, John, you're going going—you're looking in the wrong places for deals. I said, what do you mean? You're going to real estate agents or realtors. Their job is to get the highest price. So you're never, it's going to be very hard to get deals. You need to go direct to the seller. So as soon as I start doing that, Jason, every house I bought, I buy fifteen to 20% off just by having the right direction, but I need to fail fast. Because I'd be going on foot to all these estate agents. It would take so much time. I was working hard. I wasn't working smart. So that's how you know. John, this conversation
0: is exactly the reason why sometimes I just like to find something interesting and dig. You know, we started here with a simple Instagram post and a simple question about why people liked it. And we've unpacked 30 minutes of just total inspiration and value. So I just want to say thanks so much for your time and insights and um, pushing people beyond the boundaries they believe they have.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Jason. I think the work that you're doing is incredible. Sometimes just takes one thing that one person says to ignite a whole career to a a different level. So thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for your inspiration as well.
0: And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonfeifer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.